When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your week is treating you well. Today, we are doing another Q&A episode. However, I'm pre-recording this so I can have time on Thanksgiving to have off, and that means that we haven't had time to restock our Q&As um, over at the podcast phone line before I recorded this episode. So I am going to take this time to answer one of the questions I receive most often, and that is, can my Enneagram type change? This is a conversation I have all the time. I have it in typing sessions. I have it at conferences. You know, I'm having it everywhere that I go and we talk about the Enneagram, I get this some form of this question. Maybe this form comes in, I think my Enneagram type has changed. And here is what I think. So we don't have a definitive answer on this. Like no one can really say if your Enneagram type is going to change or not, right? This is a, the whole thing is a theory and therefore no one can say anything definitively. That being said, I have thoughts (laughs) and I'm really excited to share them with you. I've been doing this work for a really long time. I've worked with all kinds of people who have been at all different varying stages of growth and this is the theory that I have kind of settled on on this topic and that is that you change but your Enneagram type stays the same. So A way to think about this is I personally, I'm a seven. I've been a seven. I look back at my life and I've been much more seven-y at different phases of my life than I am now. If you looked at my life now and showed it to 20-year-old me, she would be shocked at how much I do things in my house, (laughs) you know, that that's really surprising. And I had lunch with a friend the other day who knew me, you know, I've been married before she knew me in my first marriage versus my second marriage. And it's like a different, I'm like, man, I am like a different person. Not actually though, (laughs) you know, and I think that's what I'm trying to express here is young, young, young Sarah Jane couldn't stand the thought of people having fun without her so much that I would not sleep. Like I would pull all nighters just because I didn't want anyone to hang out without me and have fun while I was sleeping. That kind of transformed over the years into, okay, I can't be home. If I, you know, want to live the life I want to live, well, I need to do everything that comes up for me. So I would leave the house in the morning. I would go to work. I would do my things and then I would go out and then all to the night. And then I would come home. I would sleep. I'd wake up. I'd do it all over again. Like literally could not stand to be home. Now, you know, I am much more of a homebody. I'm actually much more 
almost, I don't want to say antisocial, like that's not accurate, but I definitely have limited who has access to me on like a pretty intense scale just because I have so much less, like I not even need, but just like what I want is peace at this point in my life, right? I value my boundaries. I respect my no. I only want people in my life who are contributing positively to it. And that feels like a really easy choice. But if you would, you know, that just didn't feel true for many, many years. All of that to say that I have changed. Now I could look in behavior much more like a five or a one. But at the end of the day, like I am still consistently in relationship to the concerns of my seven. The shape has changed. The way it looks has changed. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But essentially, every single day, I'm in relationship to negative emotion, to the fear of not being satisfied, to, you know, this desire to do everything I could possibly do in my life, to not limit myself in any way. That is something that I'm in consistent conversation with myself about. Even though the shape has changed, the intensity has dimmed down, what that looks like has changed, right? It used to look like always going out and always having fun in like really intense ways, right? Like going to five parties in a night because I couldn't choose one. Now it looks much more like having a knitting practice, learning to make pasta from scratch, figuring out sourdough, right? Like these things are what are fun to me now. And I still struggle to moderate that energy, to tell myself no, to limit, but it just looks very, very different at this stage of my life. And I'm kind of doing that on purpose, right? I I want to learn to be home more. I've put intentional effort into that skill and I look different than I did, right? All of that to say, I have changed, but I'm still in relationship to the struggles of my dominant type. And I believe that is the case. And I, for everyone, and I don't say that just because it's been my experience. I say that because I've worked with a lot of people on this topic. So if that's the case, what are some other things about our type that can make us look different? So the first thing is our levels of health, right? As we get healthier, we don't look as obviously like our type, right? We become a lot more toned down. That rigidity of a type one becomes a lot more softened. It turns into more just wisdom. Um, That black and white thinking looks much more like impeccable integrity, but without the judgment. Um, So it's a lot less narrow and clear. And similarly, right, as a seven, like, My intolerance for negative emotions in my 20s looked like never wanting to be alone or never wanting to be alone for long, like wanting that to be a choice I was making for myself versus in in my late 30s now, that looks much more like, okay, maybe I say no to myself on the weekends and do less of the things that sound fun, but overwork me when I overdo them, right? Maybe I would like to start a new business effort, but it's not the right move for me right now. 
and kind of learning to temper. All right, so levels of health. The other thing about becoming healthier is we do just stop looking a lot like our type. We look more like all the other types because the goal of growth in the Enneagram is not to look like your number. The goal of growth in the Enneagram is to release the patterns of your number, to not feel like you have to live into that one little sliver of life. Like when we think about the Enneagram as who we think we have to be to survive or to be good, then we can start to recognize, oh, right, (laughs) the goal of growth here is to not have to be that in order to survive or be good. And so we can look more like all of the other numbers. The other thing here that can come up are the lines, right? We have two lines that move to and from our number. One's a stress line, one's a rest line. And we can look like those numbers a lot. Like I said a minute ago, as a seven, I look a lot like a one or a five right now. One is my stress move. Five is my rest move. And, you know, we can kind of live in those spaces longer than others. Now, that can come up in a given day, right? I can kind of pull in my one at any point today. Or you can have seasons where you're really living into that space and you feel like, oh my gosh, am I a one now? When actually that's just, you're in a season of intense stress. That's just something to think about. We have episodes on these lines and on levels of health that go much more into depth on those. So you can always find those in the feed as well. All right. So maybe you are moving on the lines. Other things that come up are subtype. Can your subtype change? And in my opinion, it can. I also think it often does with major life changes. Now, subtype is a relatively controversial concept in the sense that every school has a different way of approaching it. Everyone talks about subtypes in a similar, like, kind of like, well, we all know this about subtypes, right? But since all schools kind of speak differently about it, everybody's not always saying the same facts. So all I can say is this is my opinion. My opinion is that if you go through a significant trauma, then how you learn to cope and how you learn to survive is likely to change. So maybe up to that point, you've experienced that survival feels really easy and natural as a social subtype. I know my network. I know how to fit in. I know how to like find my role in a social group. And then you go through a major trauma and you go, whoa, that didn't work here. So I need a new skill. Maybe you lean into self-preservation. I need to take care of myself. I need to keep myself safe. I need to protect myself from things. And so you kind of shift, right? And how your type shows up will shift as your subtype shifts because our types, you know, that's how you meet multiple sevens who all look different because they have different subtypes. So when you get into a situation that changes your life significantly, you might notice that. One thing my husband and I have talked about a lot is that we, neither of us are self-pres dominant, but we aren't, neither of us are self-pres repressed either. He's sexual dominant. I'm social dominant. And so we often in our relationship actually meet and connect in the self-pres place because his dominant is my repressed and my dominant is his repressed. And so we connect on what we share. 
And we've really experienced this in our relationship. Like we have created a home together that feels really safe and cozy and comforting. And that's not something that I valued before him. I actually have always just been very outward and our connecting point, I think we came together in our shared instinct. So like the one we had in common. So that's a way that your subtypes can shift, right? My self-pres became much more visible in me to the point where I questioned, am I self-pres dominant? But I think it's much more focused within my relationship than it is elsewhere, right? That's one way that this can look. The final element that I would love for us to talk about are wings. So can your wings change? So with the Enneagram, it's my opinion that you always have access to both of your wings. Typically, one of we lean into one or the other, but the ultimate goal here is for them to be balanced. So not to not use your wings at all. Some people don't use either wing. Some lean into one wing or the other, but... The goal is really to balance them out, to have access to them. It makes a lot of sense when you look at the chart because the types on either side of all the numbers are have a really valuable skills that the dominant type needs. For example, I'm going to use seven again, but sixes have the longevity aspect, the loyalty that sevens need. Eights have the follow through, the leadership qualities, the drive and the um, kind of force of power of willingness to sit through pain and like do what it takes to get the job done that sevens need. So when you pull in those wings and you strengthen those skills, you, you're balancing out things that you need. So the goal here, right, is to have access to both, but most of us kind of lean into one or the other. And it does offer a bit of a flavor of your type, like me as a seven wing eight looks very different. I have a friend who is a social seven, but he has a six wing. He's much more like family oriented. He has a lot more, I would say playful. He is a less of a rebel. Like when we went to college together, he was much more focused on school than I was. (laughs) I was like much more like the rules aren't real. Nothing's real. Everything's nothing felt serious, right? But he he took school really seriously. I was really focused on like my interests, my passions, my needs. I started a business while I was in college, right? I was like working a ton of hours. Right? I was really hitting that eight hard in college, like working full time. Like again, I started a business. I was constantly doing things and working hard, but not necessarily under the constructs that were assigned to me. It was kind of on my own terms. And that being said, we look very different. But I think, again, your wings can shift and change as you shift and change. I have friends who are sevens who became parents and their six wing kind of got really big, right? They started to become more concerned, wanting to think ahead. I think I lean into my six when it comes to parenting. I'm much more focused on trying to prepare and plan and keep things going smoothly. So with that in mind, our wings can shift and change. We can lean into one. We can lean into the other. We could stop utilizing them. We can utilize both of them. So that's going to also shift how we show up. All of that to say, 
you change, but your dominant Enneagram type probably stays the same. However, how that looks in terms of all of the different elements of the Enneagram, your levels of health, the lines, your subtype, the wings, those all have like varied shifting variables that can affect how your dominant type shows up. So I hope this was supportive. I hope it made sense. Again, don't forget to send your questions in to 828-338-9127. I answer your question every single Wednesday. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.